When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. U.S. Cellular has always believed that connection is the greatest gift of all. That's why we're giving everyone one line for $34.99 a month with unlimited data this holiday season. That's right. One line, unlimited data for just $34.99 a month. That's more than a great deal. That's locally grown connection from U.S. Cellular. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. At U.S. Cellular, we care about our customers and our communities. Visit Cellular Advantage, a U.S. Cellular authorized agent located at 2012 Cornhusker Road in Bellevue. America's locally grown wireless at U.S. Cellular. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Belly Up Sports' NFL Draft Coverage. It is the first time ever, and hopefully the first of many, many more to come. Belly Up Sports once again presents its MD's Fantasy Football NFL Draft Coverage on April 28th and 29th. So the Detroit Lions are the ones on the clock. They're going to make their pick soon, but the Giants, I'm getting word, just traded with 50 different guests to bring you the most versatile coverage around from NFL analysis to fantasy football analysis and pick-by-pick betting analysis. Let's go to the pick here. Paris Marshall finally off. Extensive coverage on the market live only on BellyUp.tv, Roku, and YouTube starting Thursday, April 28th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, MD Nation, to the show. You're back with the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on Belly Up TV and on the Belly Up Sports Roku channel. Make sure you follow us 
on social media. We're getting close to the NFL drafts. So we have player news, notifications, rumors going on. Keep us up. Keep us on your alerts. Get all that info coming into you live for free. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to make sure you can comment in throughout the show and download us on your favorite podcast app afterwards. If in case you miss any episodes, you can listen to us at your earliest convenience. I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with my partner in crime, Mr. Christopher Dauer. Chris, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing okay. I'm sweating a little bit. Kind of confused with this weather. It's 80 degrees. Here it's going to be frosty next week. My sinuses don't love this. <laughs> but, but it does mean spring's in the air, and that means the draft is right around the corner. So that part is super exciting. It does mean the draft is right around the corner. At the beginning of the show, you guys should have saw the promo we have for our NFL draft coverage coming up on April 28th at 7.30 p.m. We'll kick off a half hour before the draft starts. We'll dive into a little preview of what we expect to happen, some picks for you guys to bet on so we can make some money during the NFL draft. I love that new feature. Now with more and more states being legal to do that on top of it, so it makes it more fun for us. We'll be back again that Friday, April 29th. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. We'll do the second and third rounds, giving NFL fantasy football betting analysis all throughout the night. We got 50 different guests coming. I just released what the roster was going to be for the first round earlier today on our social media accounts at Show. So another reason to check us out on there. But guys... In light of the draft coming up, we got to get through some of these prospects. We have dynasty rookie drafts that are going to happen probably the second the NFL draft is over. So we want to make sure we're talking about these guys. And even though we don't know exactly what their destination is going to be, what our evaluations are and what we can expect as far as our talent goes. You want to make sure you miss those those potholes, those busts, those guys that are very Jekyll and Hyde. Make sure you're valuing them correctly. And the running back class it's one of the most important ones, whether you're talking about Dynasty 2022, redraft, best ball, it doesn't matter. Running back is always going to be one of the most important positions to figure out and has become more tricky as NFL has evolved, right? The running back position, less and less valuable, more and more platoons, more and more timeshares. And as a result, we got to figure out who we actually think can be these contributors, Chris, what's your overall thoughts of this 2022 running back draft class? Well, first, not to toot our horns too much, but I think we did a pretty good job. We talked the running back, you know, position being kind of hard to kind of nail in the sense of how these, you know, changing the backfields. We hit Ramondre Stevenson. We had Maurice Jones. I'm not sure it's true. Um, we had um, the Jets running back, Maurice Car- Michael Carter, kind of step up last week there. And we these guys we kind of, you know, eyed out guys who weren't necessarily the top guys on people's board. But guys, we kind of saw talent and we saw you know, production there for somebody. So this running back class, I think, has some diamonds in a the rough. There's a little bit more um, rough, I think, in this class than there has has been in the last couple of classes, honestly. I'm a little disappointed overall the talent, but I do think there are some guys that you can have that, you know on your team, whether it's Dynasty or Standard Leagues next year. Totally agree. And I think we're going to do a good job this year. Now, here's what I'm going to say. I don't think there's as much top-end talent this year's or was last year. But I do think the depth is a little bit better when you get past the top tier guys. Where last year, I felt like once you got past that top tier, I don't want to touch anybody. And for the most part, we were right about that. But I want to kick off the show talking about not Brees Hall, but Kenneth Walker. Because everyone at this point, we're, and we're going to talk about Brees Hall, but everyone at this point, whether you're an NFL draft analysis or fantasy football the consensus is Brees Hall's number one guy, and we'll get into why in just a second. Kenneth Walker, though, for me, 
is the best pure runner on tape. He's got great vision. He's got great explosiveness. He breaks tackles. He runs violently. Everything you would look for, and he's a home run threat every time he touches the ball. Everything you would look for out of a running back that you want to do well in fantasy, Kenneth Walker has. He even has the size, 5'10", 210. He has a big enough size for a workload, heavy stock build. The problem is, and this is where the bittersweetness for Kenneth Walker for me comes in as an evaluator. The problem is he might be the worst pass blocker in this class. He, he, he might be. Now, I don't take a lot of stock out of the whole he didn't have a big production as in his receiving line because they didn't throw the ball that much to their running back. And I don't think that was a reflection of Kenneth Walker. I think it was a reflection of the offense. It reminds me a lot of you know Devin Singletary, where he didn't have a lot of production but it was just because they didn't throw the ball to the running back. He's proven he's got soft enough hands to catch the ball out of the backfield. Are you going to ask Kenneth Walker to split out wide? Probably not, but he definitely has soft enough hands from what I've been able to see in the limited capacity that we have to be able to see it, albeit, that he's got soft enough hands. He can catch those screens, catch those swings, catch the angle routes out of the backfield. I'm not worried about that part. The part that I'm worried about with Kenneth Walker, especially in 2022 and perhaps beyond, I don't know if he definitively gets on the field because of how long of a way he has to go to be even an adequate pass blocker. But for Chris, for you, Kenneth Walker, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I'm not necessarily as high on him as you are, but I do see a lot of talent there. I do have a little concern about the, the, the catching, pass catching, not necessarily that he can't do it, but we've seen a lot of coaches not necessarily willing to try to give guys opportunity. You and I are big Nick Chubb fans, and coming out of college, I think he could definitely show he could catch the ball but he was kind of pigeonholed in a system that he was in necessarily the opportunity to do so. I worry about Kenneth Walker, you know, be, being a guy who's got great pass protection, as you're kind of pointing out, you know, not even great, even really poor pass protection, um, being kind of pigeonholed, not giving a chance to kind of show that he can catch the ball out of the backfield because you have a kind of um, a rep in a sense coming into the league. So I do worry about him overall for as, you know, how high I'm going to go for him. But I do think he's definitely the top two. I think of the top, you know, the, the running back class. You talked about Royce Brees Hall before. I think Walker's there right with him. Okay. We'll have to see exactly what happened. Like I said, I, I can't make a definitive statement on the guy because that's how vital, especially these wrong, young running backs, pass blocking is. I talk about this every single year. They're not going to see the field. It, it, it reminds me, from a fantasy standpoint, I, end up, I comped him to D'Angelo Williams. His running style reminds me so much of him, very fluid, can cut one cut, see the he sees the cut back lanes, and then he can explode through. He's a home run threat. But fantasy wise, the, the situation around him reminds me of Cam Akers, where I think there's a chance we're going to see him in, in redraft leagues be a guy that you know the ping pong where he lands, obviously, but be a guy that gets touted in that fifth, sixth, seventh round. And I'm going to be sitting there saying. Don't draft Kenneth Walker that high because he's probably not going to play or be in, in a meaningful way week one. At best, as far as 2022 is concerned, you might have the second half of the season depending upon what situation the team that he winds up with is in and how far away he's able to come. Can he get it enough to where the coaches trust him or not? But it's a real issue, and it just reminds me of Cam Akers. Everyone drafted Cam Akers in the fifth round, 
And I kept saying, look, no, not only did he have two running backs in front of him, but he was too far away from being the adequate pass blocker that he needs to be to get on the field enough. And it didn't happen until the second half of the season. And that's why most people started picked up who had Cam Akers at the end of that season, picked him up off the waiver wire. They didn't draft him, even though they was drafted in the mid rounds. So I don't I think Kenneth Walker might be in the same deal there. Dynasty purposes, I don't have as much reservation because I do think he'll get to a solid enough place at least by year two. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. I don't know if you want to rebuttal anything I just said. No, I think that you make a lot of excellent points. I think the key is going to be the landing spot. I mean, you talk about kind of what he reminds you of the situation, kind of reminds me of Kareem Hunt coming out. Kareem Hunt wasn't a great pass protector at all. Um, and you were kind of questionable, could he catch the ball out of the backfield? And I think that, you know, now we know that's definitely he can, but he was given an opportunity to show that he could. So, if he, you know, this guy runs in the right situation, he absolutely can. But I look at other situations, maybe like a Tampa Bay, for example, where there's an easy uh, – avenue for him to kind of get pigeonholed for an early down guy versus having some kind of like a geo or, or a fernet who is more pass protection guy and catch the ball in the backfield so that's kind of my concern like i said i think where he falls is going to be vital and where his value is going to be speaking of uh kareem hunt i actually copped him to Brees hall here who is of course our number one running back my number one running back most people's number one running back Brees hall and the reason why I comped him there, like, I know people are going to say, like, well, Brees Hall, he had the, you know, the big combine. He ran the, the surprising 4 3 9 40 time. He doesn't play that fast. Okay. And that, that's why I think it was a surprise that he actually ran that, that fast for me and, and other people. He gets to that third level really consistently because he's good at breaking tackles. He has, he has good wiggle, he has good power getting through the line of scrimmage. He's got a good one-cut, get-north-and-south mentality, and he'll punish his way through. And because of that, he'll break his way to that third level of the defense. Once he gets there, he doesn't really have that extra third gear to kick into where he runs past the secondary. And, you know, he played in Iowa State. He played against decent enough competition to kind of get a gauge for that. I don't see a burner. I don't see a Kenneth Walker where he touched the ball and I think he might go for a home run threat. But at the same time, there's nothing that Brees Hall can't do. He's big enough for the workload. He catches the ball well enough. He pass blocks well enough. Uh, it could be similar situation to that of a Najee Harris, depending upon where he winds up, where he could get enough volume, even though he's not a spectacular athlete, not a Jonathan Taylor-level athlete, but could get enough volume and is able to do everything that we're looking at a potential RB1 as soon as 2022. And because he has the size, I do love him in Dynasty. He will be my 101 in rookie drafts. There's absolutely no doubt about it in my mind. I And I confident Kareem Hunt because the way he shifts in and out of his breaks when he makes that one cut, especially on zone running schemes, that would definitely be the best fit for him. Chris, when you look at Brees Hall, though, what do you see? Yeah, this is definitely my favorite running back of this whole entire class, and one, and maybe for a, a little bit while. I, I really love Reese Hall, and I'll give you a comp. It may be a little bit of a lazy one, but it reminds me of David Montgomery. I uh, went to the same school, but as you kind of talked about, has a w great all-around skill set. Um, isn't necessarily going to wow you with the home run threat where he's going to be breaking 80, 90 yarders, but I kind of label the three-down slasher, where this guy's going to be out there. He, he's already shown in college he could play all three downs, one of the best protectors, pass protectors in this class, and a guy that you're going to have out there having you know gashing off seven eight yard runs i think where he's going to be really effective is in a zone cut scheme or and he can be physical as well because he has good patience i think Brees hall has it all the only thing i would kind of knock on him in a sense 
is you talk about the home run speed and he doesn't necessarily one of those satellite backs where he's not like Christian McCaffrey or necessarily an Alvin Kamara where you can kind of line up as a mismatch. He's a good pass catcher and a good pass you know, protector, but he isn't a mismatch per se. Yeah, I, I would pretty much agree with that assessment across the board. Now, so Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, both are top two guys, varying difference on how high we are on them. But is are these guys, let's, let's just go with Brees Hall, is anybody going to get in the first round? Because, I, I mean, we, I can put that graphic up again. Even in Brees Hall's case, we're still talking consensus right now, second-round pick. Is anybody going to go in the first round, you think? You could have one of those teams, maybe like a Buffalo, or um, you kind of saw the Chiefs do that a couple of years ago with CHE. I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those teams in the late 30s maybe looks at a running back opportunity and steals him. Um, he doesn't want to wait till necessarily day two. We saw that kind of bite, um, who was it, the Miami Dolphins last year when they wanted Javante Williams, and Denver kind of jumped up and got him on day two. So I do think there's – and the Jets had the same situation happen to them, kind of the same, same thing last year. So I think there's going to be maybe a push. If you really like this guy as your top guy, maybe if you're later on in the first round or maybe you trade up a little bit. Tampa Bay is a great situation. I know Fournette resigned, but one of those kinds of teams I could see maybe making that leap. It would be interesting to see. I just – I want – especially with Breeze Hall, because he could be that guy who's that RB1 rookie this year. I really just hope Guys, he you're going to hand me salivator with this guy. I love I, I just really hope he winds up in a situation where he gets that opportunity early. That that would that would be my my only my only. Your Najee Harris comparison is like a great one, I think, and an opportunity I think he could have easily. Let's talk about some guys that we, or at least I know I am, a little less excited about, but were talked about a lot early on in the season, did have great production, and this happens every year where a guy starts off high on a guy's on somebody's list. He has the production to go along with it, but then he turns in crappy combine times and he plummets like a rock. That person is Kyron Williams, a running back out of Notre Dame. Chris, I'm going to let you take the lead on this because you liked Kyron Williams a lot more than I did coming into the season. So talk to me about where you're at on him now. Yeah, I was definitely disappointed with the combine, and I did kind of knock him down on my board as a result. Um, I, I loved Kyron Williams in college. I mean, I know he's a little smaller, and guys know people don't always love the smaller backs. But what I saw a lot of was really similar to what I saw with Michael Carr last year, a guy who can get in and out of ships, and he's not a, a small guy in the sense where how he runs. He's willing to get physical. He was, I think, a sixth in the, in the nation in breaking tackles. He doesn't necessarily have that home run speed, and you kind of saw that. So you, I wasn't necessarily surprised he run like a 4-3 or 4-4. Four, four. Um, but I was a little surprised that he ran that slow. But Devin Singletary is a guy you threw out there just you know recently in the conversation, and I think he has a lot of – Devin Singletary had a similar 40. Um, so I think there's there's still room for Kyron Williams to kind of be on somebody's board. I would I think this guy gets a chance to show that he can play. He will be somebody as a tandem back. I wouldn't say he's ever going to be a workhorse back, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a Chase Edmonds type of guy where he can get 10, 15 carries and, you know, or 10, 15 touches because he can catch the ball out of the backfield really well. Um, he's showing that he's one of the willing path protectors. He's not the biggest guy necessarily, but he's willing to get you know get down and get dirty if he has to. So I like still like Kyron Williams a lot. I just don't necessarily love him as much as I did. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. 
We'll have our first debate here. It'll be a soft one because, like you said, you've acknowledged you've come down on him a little bit. But I don't see a guy who's going to be in the NFL for more than three seasons, period. I don't think there's any upside with him. I was not surprised by the 40 time. He doesn't have a second gear on film, period. He was productive, yes. He has elusivity when he gets to a line of scrimmage. He can make guys miss in close quarters. But once he gets out to that second level, he doesn't run past the second level. He doesn't even have the second gear to go to. We talked about the Brees Hall. Like, I didn't see a third gear. There's no second gear on Kyron Williams. He catches the ball fine, but he doesn't do much with it after he does the catch. And I think in the NFL, the best he could hope to be would be a third down specialist, given his small size, He, but he's not built the same way like an Austin Eckler is, where he's, he's small, but he's compact. He has the muscle. He's a lean five foot nine on top of it and that's why i'm not a big fan of his he was 154th in 15 plus yard carries he doesn't break very many of them he was 19th in avoided tackles and that's what i'm talking about the lucivity in in tight quarters so i recognize that part of it but this is a guy who just doesn't have a second gear and i think he only can only be a third down specialty back but unless he's able to make an impact on special teams i think we're looking at one of our first busts here at the running back draft class that's just me i'll let you rebuttal i just say i think he's devin singletary so that's however you want to take that then you can switch that however you decide i mean i think given the opportunity he can produce i think there's also a chance as you kind of speak about he can get pigeonholed and kind of run out of the league but i think that he's not just a a, a third down back i think he's going to show more than that and i think i said devin singletary would be my comp for him all right, all right. So let's let's move on to another guy called Jerome Ford. Now this guy intrigues me. He intrigues me in the sense of he's not, you know, your big typical, you know, sleeper prospect that I think is going to make a big impact, let's say, on on a, on a huge level. But he has a skill set where he can do a little bit of everything. He is a true three-down back. He has a size sort, 5'10", 220 roughly. He runs with power. He runs with tenacity. He has a good north-south, get one cut, get up the field. Surprised me with his 40 time. We ran a 4-4-6. I don't see him playing quite to that speed on film, but he reminds me of a Khalil Herbert. He has good vision. He's smooth in and out of the hole. And I think he's going to be a guy in the NFL because he can do a little bit of everything at a pretty decent enough rate. He's going to be one of those high-end handcuffs where the second the starter gets hurt, he'll come in, he'll get enough volume because he can do everything. He doesn't get pitch and hold into one role or another. And he's going to be that guy you want to pick up off the waiver wire or have handcuffed whoever your starter is and know that when he gets out there in the field, I think he's going to be very productive. I don't know if he has the potential ceiling to really be more than that, I think his absolute ceiling would be a guy like a James Conner where maybe he gets a shot and is able to, because he's able to do a little everything, is able to hold on to it for a time period. But I don't know if he's quite at that level. He's ever going to be a, a consistent starter. But I do think this guy is going to be a high-end handcuff because he's an all-around back, and there's very few weaknesses to his game. He's just not a wow-you type of athlete. He's not a special type of athlete in that sense. But what do you think? I'll throw a name at you. You can think of this kind of matches what you're talking about. I think he kind of reminds me of Marlon Mack in some senses. Marlon Mack is the kind of guy that, you know, can do a little bit of everything, had the opportunity, and I think this is where this guy is going to be. If he has the opportunity to kind of, like you said, a high end, high end cuff, if he gets a chance to kind of show coaches, I think he's one of those guys that's hard to get off the field because I think he's going to do the things that are he's supposed to. He's going to run for the yards he's supposed to. He's going to hit the holes. And I think he is a, capable of being a workhorse back because he kind of handled that role of Cincinnati. 
we kind of talked about him not necessarily showing the home run speed or that, that you know that, that 40 he ran on game film but what you did see is a guy who can handle 20 carries 25 carries easily and just keep grinding and keep getting those yardage so i think that one cut workhorse i think in the right kind of system all like a shanahan system which is you know the big vogue thing around the nfl right now i think he can be very successful if he gets a chance to kind of be that gets that shows that Okay. Okay. So you're, you're kind of on the same level as I am when it comes to Jerome Ford. Now he's some, I'll throw that graphic up there again, just to show that part of it. He is somebody we're talking about fifth, sixth round. I don't think he's going to go much higher than that. Again, not a special athlete. I don't think anybody's going to look to really start him, but today's league, that's usually good enough for a backup running back who can bring everything to the table to get his opportunity. The next just, guy just, talk- just real quick, yeah. I was going to say, you know, Benny Snell got a chance to kind of shine, quote unquote, for Pittsburgh at the point. This yeah. guy's definitely more talented than Benny Snell, so I think that's kind of <laughs> what you're looking at. Fair point. God, I hated Benny Snell. Could not understand yes, why he kept getting opportunities. Uh, this guy I want to talk about next, though. So he's similar to Jerome Ford in a sense of he has a skill set that covers about everything. Three down, worker. Doesn't have to get pigeonholed in the one role or particular. But we're talking a much wider range when it comes to his ceiling to bust potential. And that's Zaquandre White. He's intriguing to me. Very, very intriguing to me. But at the same time, I will tell you right now, there's going to be people out there, especially in this fantasy industry, in the dynasty industry, that are going to get infatuated with him and try to talk you into overpricing him. You have to take him correctly. This is a guy, if you're in your rookie drafts, I'm not taking him before the third round. As I wouldn't take him in the second round. I, would, I wouldn't take him before your third round because we're talking about a guy who has the floor of somebody who might be out of the league in two years. But we're also talking about a guy who actually does have a skill set where if he put it together on tape and was able to get in the right situation, could be a high in RB2, maybe even more. And the reason why I say all that is because this is a guy who has tremendous power. Tremendous power when he runs the football. I don't think there's a, a running back in this class who has a more violent style and as a result of that, breaks a ton of tackles. I don't have the stats here right in front of me, but he's one of the top guys as far as broken tackles heading into the college football league. And he just really delivers it. He plays much faster than his 40. He didn't run at the combine. He ran his pro days. Pro day, he did a 4-6-3-40 time. He looks like he runs much faster than that on tape because I've seen him plenty of times be able to turn the corner on a defense, be able to get upfield and have another gear when he gets to the next level of the field. Pretty good vertical, pretty good broad jump. I compared him to a slimmer Chris Carson where I think he's got good enough hands. You're not going to pin, you're not going to, you know, have him as your third down specialty back or anything like that, but good enough hands that you can throw it to out of the backfield. You can check the ball down to him. But with his punishing style, he's always going to get that four or five yards. And I think that's something that's covered in the NFL and will give him a chance to be on the field. Yeah, I'm not nearly as big a fan as Conjure White as you seem to be. But I will say that I do think he runs very physical. I think he can be a, a power back or two down back. I don't see him being utilized in a third down or a passing attack. I think he's too stiff in the hips. I think he's going to struggle to be up and be able to catch the ball out of the backfield consistently. Um, but I do see the guy that can be you know a guy that you can use in short yardage situations could be a guy that can maybe get you some touchdowns or vulturing some opportunities but what i'm concerned about you compared to chris carson i think it's a good comp in the sense 
He runs very physical like Chris Carson, which Chris Carson quite often is injured as a result of that running style. But he also runs way higher than Chris Carson, and that's my knock on this guy. As powerful as he is, he runs too high for me, and I, I think he's. I, I worry he's going to be out of the league in two years, not just because he can't play, but because the injuries are going to toll up. People are going to have to keep off on this guy if he keeps running like the way he is in a sense. So for me, I'm not necessarily huge on this guy, but I do think he can be somebody that on, your, on your radar. They can get you if he gets a chance to kind of play for, or, or he gets a. a um, a, a clear role in an early down situation, like ah, uh, like a Damian Harris was in New England, for example. If you see him be that kind of early down smash power back guy, yeah, you want to add him. But I think this is a guy that I'm kind of concerned, especially dynasty wise, but I wouldn't overdraft. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Again, like this is one of the players that has one of the highest or I should say one of the farthest reaching ranges as far as what his output could be. He does run very high. I even have that in my notes here. Runs too high, average hands. The other thing is that he's raw at the position, which is where some of his upside does come from, but he also has some of the fundamental things he needs to work on. This is a, a guy that came into college as a linebacker, converted running back. He runs by like it, by the way. He looks like he's running out there to try to hit people like he was a linebacker still. But as a result of that, he's still kind of learning the fundamentals of the position. I just think he's a very intriguing prospect because he does have that extra upside if he's able to put it together with his style. Again, does have that low center of gravity, runs faster than that 40 time would suggest. But I preface it with this. Don't draft him before your third round which is about the time you start taking chances on guys like this anyway in your rookie drafts because you don't want to get left holding the bag on somebody that you are trying or are counting on to be able to use in your dynasty leagues at some point down the road. You don't want that to happen, okay? Because, again, wide boom-bust range scenario. We got more running backs to talk about on the other side. We don't have these guys in order, so we're we're jumping around here, making it, making it an interesting conversation. But we got more to talk about on the other side. Guys, stay tuned. The MD Saints Football Show right here on Belly Up TV on the Belly Up Sports Roku channel. We'll be back with you right after this. Fellas, have you started your spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle 5 in your pants. Time to clear out your winter bush and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to Manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool you'll need to keep your boys looking and smelling like the fresh tulips your partner wants. To start off your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 to get the most precise shave on your hedges. Did we mention it's waterproof? No need to worry about watering your grass with this tool equipped with an LED light so you'll know it'll be a major asset to the new shower routine. Clear your holes and smell the spring air with the Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provided proprietary skin-safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tubs in those delicate holes. After clearing your nose, make sure you get rid of that foul ball smell with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. Finish off your grooming routine with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave on your face. Because if you're using the Lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong, boys. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. 
You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world! Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Welcome back in, Empty Nation. You're watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on bellyup.tv. We're also live on the Billy Sports Roku channel. Subscribe to our YouTube to comment in throughout the show. And download us on your favorite podcast app. You can catch us up on all the episodes we have in store for you guys everywhere. Follow us on social media at Show. I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with Chris Dauhauer. We're talking about running backs. Getting ready for that NFL draft cover. It's going to be coming up on April 28th at 7.30 p.m. On same locations, by the way, Belly Up TV and Roku, and we'll be on the Belly Up YouTube for that one. Actually, a little, little bigger range here because we're going to have fifty different guests, a bunch of guys coming on talking about different analysis throughout the night. It's going to be a lot of fun, Chris. We had a lot of fun last year, despite what was it, twelve hours total of streaming? Yeah, our, our we kind of had our, our cherry pop, so to speak, in a sense. Last year, we kind of got to saw we, as we became the draft gurus. And sat there for 12 hours. We get to see people kind of talk about holding it the entire time. Um, you and I did, a, I think, excellent job of not only staying awake, but we just definitely did have to use the bathroom while we were on on TV. And we had wonderful guests. I had a great oh, time. I was using the bathroom. It just you just couldn't see it. Uh, oh well, <laughs> MD Nation. That's our secret. But um, yeah, I think that's definitely was definitely enjoyable. And we enjoyed a cocktail watching our draft. So I hope MD Nation does as well. So I think that, I think it was definitely something that we definitely had a good time with, and we we'll hope to have a good time again this year. Oh, it was definitely a draft for the people by a bunch of different people. And I'm, I'm so excited we get to have as many guests again in the back this year because it just allows us to do a lot of different things um, and and keep our attention, keep your attention throughout because you're going to get so many more different personalities. Every About every five picks, we have three different guests coming on. So it's something we love to do. I'm glad we get to do it for a second year. Let's carry on with these running backs. Let's talk about Tyler Algier from BYU. If I could ever find his graphic at the tip of my fingers. There we go. Uh, this is a guy I'm not as big of a fan of, but I do think he's going to have a role at the next level. He was highly productive. I think part of that 
comes from just being a big, powerful guy that he is, 5'11", 220, playing at a BYU, you know, level competition where he can – literally, he's bigger than everybody else on the other side of the field with the exception of, of the lineman. He's a road grinder. He knows how to push forward. He knows how to fall forward. Ran a four six forty. That's about what I expected. An average athlete. He's not going to jump off the tape at you. However, like some of his other counterparts, he can do enough of a little bit of everything. Now, I don't love him in the passing game as far as a receiver goes because he doesn't go anywhere with the ball once it's in his hands on, on the perimeter. But he is one of the better pass blockers in this class, which I think will allow him to get on the field at some point or at least give him the opportunity to be you know, a high-end handcuff. I have him linked to C.J. Anderson. Reminds me a lot of him how he grinds things out. He gets those four or five yards of pop. And he's better. He's going to be better than your typical backup, which I have, his, I have his career range as a backup to possibly part-time starter. I have his fantasy football projection as a you know potentially uh, RB3 if he, he falls into the right situation. I don't love the guy, but I think he's got to roll at the next level. What about you? I am a fan of Tyler Algier, and especially the next level. And I know there's some knock on him because he's kind of his, his production kind of jumped his senior year, um, and he hadn't really seen that previous to that. But I also think part of that is he talked about his running style. I think this guy is very physical, and I think that he has a very nice floor. Um, the guy I would say his floor would kind of remind me of it was the Williams kid out of um, from Kansas City last year, where you saw him kind of take over CHES for periods of time. It was very serviceable. Kind of has that all around range, kind of that grinder. Um, and I think that he's going to have kind of that that's the floor. I think the ceiling could be like a Mark Ingram type in, this, in the NFL. I think he can be that guy. Uh, I saw a comp for him was uh, Marion Barber from back in the day. Uh, that kind of style where I think he can be an early down smash guy. I would love him for, uh, in a Charger situation where I would definitely be all over him if the Chargers were to start the team to have him. In the right situation, I think he's a great complimentary back. Um, even maybe Detroit, for example, with Swift. Just kind of pairing him up with a kind of a, a faster guy. I think he'll be a great tandem back if he's used correctly. I do think he's, a, a, um, you know, jumped off the tape to me was he's second in, in the country in tack, um, yards after contact and ninth yeah. in tackle, broken tackles. So I think this guy is going to be something that does translate. I know the BYU competition is not necessarily, which, you know, top notched all the time, but I do think that Zach Wilson went number two. That was okay. Um, I think that they paid enough guys to kind of show you this guy can break tackles. And is going to be a physical guy that you want out there. Uh, Jordan Howard role is an easy role. I see kind of him plugging into immediately and then kind of he could grow from that possibly. Yeah, again, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Like I, said, I think he has a role, whether he becomes the part-time starter that some of those guys we listed off as his comparisons or not, I think remains to be seen. He's somebody that right now consensus has him somewhere between that fifth and seventh round, depending upon what, what mock you go with. But he's definitely going to be one of those guys that he's taken late. He'll have some value. I, I don't I don't dispute that at all. But I don't think he's super special over the last long time. The guy I'm very intrigued where he gets drafted at and what happens as a result after that is, is James Cook. Uh, obviously, Dalvin Cook's little brother. Yes, he's explosive. No, I made sure. I did not comp him. To Dalvin Cook, that would have been lazy of me. I comped him actually to Tevin Coleman, although I think he's a lot better in the passing game than a Tevin Coleman is. But uh, a sprinter at heart, maybe not a guy you want to give the ball a ton to between the tackles. But here, here's what would be my challenge for James Cook. Can you put on 10 more pounds and still be as explosive? Because if he can, 
I do believe he could be a similar type talent to a, his older brother, Dalvin Cook. Now, the way they run is a little bit similar. They're brothers. He probably looked up to his brother for a long time. They were training. He has some nuances that's going to remind you of Dalvin, but he's not quite the in-between tackle guy because he doesn't have the same type of power. He doesn't have the same wiggle in and out of tackles, but you can tell he also understands the game. He's got a high IQ. It shows up when he's reading defenses, when he's looking for the holes. It shows up there. He's going to be a special teams guy, so he's definitely going to be an NFL contributor, which will also give him more opportunities to see what he can do at the running back position. At the very least, as an explosive pass catcher that they can team up with in the backfield. He's another one I think has a wide range. He could always just wind up being a gadget player, special teams player, or I think he could be an RB2. Again, if he's able to put 10 pounds on, let's say, keep his explosive ability, I think he could be a staple running back in somebody's offense. So that's why he's got a wide range. He's, he's somewhere between a fourth and sixth round right now. What do you think, Chris? I think he's Naheem Hines. I think that's what he's going to project to in the pros, and I think that's what he's going to be – I think he's a mismatch. I don't think he's a running back necessarily. I don't think he's ever going to peck on that 10 pounds. I think part of the problem is he doesn't necessarily run physically enough. I think he's very fast. I think he's very quick. He's got pretty decent vision. I think he can, is one of those guys you can line up all over the field, and it can be a mismatch. You can get him you know, on linebackers or on a safety. So I do think he's going to kind of be used like a Naheem Hines. Now, will he have a, a higher ceiling, hopefully, depending on where he kind of falls? Because like Austin Eckler, we kind of saw that role work out perfectly for him. I think Cook could be similar to Austin Eckler if he's utilized, you know, to the maximum. But I think it's more inclined he's going to probably be Naheem Hines and probably a guy that he kind of uses as a weapon out of the backfield. The one thing I will say about him even becoming a pass-catching specialist is that he's got to work on his technique and pass-blocking because he's very lean. He gets overpowered quite a bit. So he's going to have to be a catch. Well, and that's why I think he's going to have to be a technician, though, because look around the NFL. Even if you're there to be a pass-catcher, you still don't get into that backfield unless you can competently pass-block. So that's why it's still an issue, even though when he's out in the field, you figure it's just to get him the ball in space. Which is why I think, again, he has a wide range because he could just be nothing more than a gadget player, special teams guy. And for fantasy football purposes, that doesn't usually have a whole hell of a lot of value. Well, I was going to say, I tell you where it could have a hell of a lot of value. I talked about Tampa Bay earlier. I think he'd be a fantastic back for Tampa Bay as it utilizes the kind of that pass catching back out of the backfield mismatch. I think Brady would love him. Listen, Brady allows Leonard Fournette and nobody else in that backfield, clear by the three year contract that they gave him. I think we're looking at another big year out of Leonard Fournette, but that'll be for after we get past the draft stuff when we start talking about 2022 coming up. I can't wait for that transition. Let's talk about this transition. Pierre Strong. I'm going to let you lead off with Pierre Strong. I know he ran a grade 40. I know he went to a small school, and people want to make a big story about a guy in a small school. He's just a guy, in my opinion. Yes, he ran a 4-4. Now, I do think he brings explosiveness, and I will say that he's one of the probably true home run threats in this class, where if he gets on stretch on a zone, like speedy zone like I have, if you get him on that zone stretch and he gets that corner, like Raheem Mostert, for example, he can turn the corner and make big plays. He doesn't have great vision. He's not a great tackle breaker. So he's going to be very inclined to need that kind of opportunity to be like a Tevin Coleman or – like I said, Raheem Mostert, where that, that edge and that system is kind of fitting perfectly for him. Otherwise, I think this guy's out of the league in about two or three years. So I have in my notes here, which pretty much agree with what you said. Explosive runner, does run with speed, that does show up on tape. The 40 time doesn't surprise me. He is a good one cut, get north and south. He sees that initial cutback lane. 
That's what he brings to the table. Here's the problem. He's small. He's 5'11". He's only 205. He doesn't run with power. He doesn't have a compact body build. And frankly, he's a zero in the passing game while having played in South Dakota State, so he didn't play against the best competition in the world to go on top of it. I'm with you. I do not see a guy who translates into a contributor at the next level outside of maybe special teams. That would be about it. I don't see a guy they're going to trust enough to put on the field. And at the NFL level, he runs for a small guy. He doesn't get low enough. He doesn't run with enough power for me to think he's ever going to be able to contribute at the running back position in any kind of significant way. So I think we agree on Pierre Strong there for the most part. We don't need to spend any more time on him. I want to move on to Rashad White because this is a guy who's getting a lot of publicity from a lot of different people. There's a group of people out there who love them some Rashad White, and I'm not necessarily saying that they're wrong. There are things to like. He does have the big size, the 6'2", 210 size. No one can dispute that. He did run a good 44.48 at the combine, had a good vertical, 38, had a decent broad, 125. Semi-productive, not overly productive. The thing that the fantasy industry loves about him, and you're going to hear it time and time again, he's got the great hands. Why? Because he's a converted wide receiver. The problem I have with him and why I'm not going to get too excited to buy him is that while all that is great, he still runs the running back position like he's a wide receiver. I comped him to Ty Montgomery, where I think he's going to make the opposite transition. He's going to come as a running back, and he's going to finish his NFL career as a wide receiver. I don't think he stays as a running back the entire time. But, Chris, what side of the aisle do you fall on? I do think he stays as a running back the entire time, but I think your Ty Montgomery comparisons really hits the nail on the head in a sense. I think he plays with the back of the position just like a receiver, as you kind of pointed out. I know that this is that everybody's kind of analytics and fantasy darling right now, and I look at this guy as what are two ways he could go, and it's similar. It's kind of interesting they went to similar, the same school. He could be Kenny Balazs, size, speed, has all the different things you kind of look at, or he could be Aaron Jones because that's what they're trying to push the narrative of. Like Aaron Jones is kind of like he has the skill set. He's just had an opportunity. He's an explosive guy, catch the ball in the backfield, just never matter him never getting a chance to kind of be that workhorse back. I don't see Aaron Jones. Um, I see more Kenny Balazs. I see an upright runner. I see a guy who relies totally on his speed, doesn't have any vision for the most part. And I don't really like him even in his own scheme necessarily because I don't think he hits the hole or hits the edges quick enough. I think he's kind of a glider runner, and I think he's going to be a good pass catcher of the backfield. So I do see he could have a niche, especially in PPR, um, because I do see uh, him in the right system or the right coach that kind of falls in love with him, him being that guy that's catching the ball constantly out of the backfield, um, a, a glorified James White in a sense, if that makes sense. I think I could see that role for him, because James White ran the same, same way coming out of college. He's a, he still does. He's still running with the receiver to the degree. So I think it's kind of a comparison you can kind of look at. Yeah, he doesn't run with enough power. He doesn't know how to use his body in between the tackles. And you get, you see it on the film. He just doesn't run with that head tilt aggressiveness that you need to be able to do, especially when you're expected to at 6'2", 210. Again, go back to the size. They're going to expect you to be willing to stick your shoulder down, go through the hole. Watch him on tape. He doesn't do it. And if he doesn't do it at the college level, I know he's converted over and he's still learning the position, but he doesn't do it at the college level. 
if he takes any time at all to learn how to do that in the NFL level, he's going to get killed. And that is my ultimate worry with Rashad White. And and the thing about, you know, like you mentioned a James White type, the only reason James White's revered in the NFL or revered in fantasy football is because he wound up landing in a situation that they were willing to use him as a third down back and willing to use him all the time as the passing down third down back. I look around the league, I don't see too many James Whites. I see a lot of cops to James White. I see a lot of type of running backs of that style, but I don't see them getting used consistently enough. That doesn't seem to happen. They don't. We talk all the time, there's platoons and everything like that, but guys have kind of moved away from the pigeonhole specialist because what they've realized, at least most teams at this point, is that they get very predictable based on their personnel when they do that. When Patriots went through that for a while. They only really overcame it with Tom Brady. I mean, so what kind of a chance is he going to really have? What team does he have to go to to have that opportunity even, you think? I mean, the one pops in my head immediately is Arizona. I think Arizona is a customized fit for him. I think that he's a glorified receiver, as you kind of pointed out. He'd be catching all the short angle routes out of the backfield. He'd replace Chase Edmonds. I think that's going to kind of depend on what coach, like I said, I, while I agree with you that the coaches don't necessarily play all these guys, they all seem to de- demand to have one. Um, so Kent Gaywell, Kent Gaywell got drafted by the Eagles last year. I don't really know why, but he was, and he got a role as a result. Leaned out quickly. <laughs> but I think that's what you're going to see, kind of this guy got an opportunity to do. There were some coaches are going to fall in love with your skill set, and we're going to be able to utilize you for this. And that's where you kind of kind of watch with this guy. I think if he falls in the right situation and you see the teams are just going to, he's going to be that pass catcher out of the backfield and come hell or high water, then you want to jump on him. But if you see him kind of you know fighting for a position and between him and the second, third back for just playing time, not a guy to necessarily target in, you know, in dynasty. Yeah, I mean, look, Arizona, Chris going with the narrative there, stays in Arizona. It is it is the only fit. I shouldn't say the only fit, but it is the fit that makes the most sense as far as what team would give him that sole role. That would be the Arizona Cardinals being that they have James Conner right now and let go of Chase Edmonds. But it would ha- he has to lay into that type of situation. Otherwise, I don't see much of a future for Rashad White. Well, I'll throw two teams that you, I, I would just, you know, kind of facetiously, but you never know. I would be surprised. The Raiders and the 49ers are two teams that seem to kind of like those kind of running backs. Josh McDaniels and Kyle Shanahan seem to love that mismatch out of the backfield. It's a couple of problems with both those teams. Uh, with the Raiders, you still have Kenyon Drake under contract. They still, they still have Drake, and they still have Jacobs there, and you still well, have I think Richard. he's going to play. I think he's going to do my draft him, so. Possibly. I I think it's a loaded backfield as it is for the Raiders concern. And for the 49ers, they don't draft running backs who are receiving specialists because they don't throw the ball to their damn running backs to begin with. So I don't see that happening because of that reason either. I do like your Arizona, though, one. Let's talk about Isaiah Spiller. So this is actually on a lot of people's boards, the number three running back overall I think he's in my tier of who I think that third best running back is. I don't know if I put him as my third best rookie running back just yet. Watching him on tape, there's nothing that's going to jump out to you like, oh, this is a superstar guy. He doesn't have the wow factor as an athlete. But what he does have is all the tools you're looking for, and it's at a higher degree than that of a Jerome Ford or some of the other guys that we've talked about that we thought could be high-end handcuffs. He's got good vision. He has good balance. He breaks tackles. 
He consistently finishes runs, usually picks up that half yard, sticks his head down. He can catch the ball, and he has solid pass blocking skills. I think he's somebody, depending upon where he lands, could quite shock a lot of people in how early he becomes a significant contributor because he can do all those things. And I think he has a good enough skill set at all of them where he's not a star, but I do think he's a starter. What do you think, Chris? I think he's Spencer Ware. Um, I I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, that is the truth. That's what I see Spencer wear. I am not impressed with Spiller. I know I, I won't argue hard that he's not the third best running back, and that's where I kind of feel about this class in general. I think it's going to kind of be hit or miss, and a lot depends on the situations they fall into. I think for him, I, I see some of the skills you're talking about. I do think a guy I, I put list him as kind of a, you know early down grinder. I, I think this is a guy that could definitely be utilized on the field. I can see him being used in the you know in the right rotation. But I don't still ever see him kind of being the guy. He never really stepped up in Texas A&M to kind of excel as people kind of expected him to be. And I know their quarterback play was atrocious, but their offensive line wasn't that bad. And I never saw the big plays that you know, kind of talked about other guys, you know, limited big plays. I didn't see Spiller have the big plays. It's about the, having the hands, but they really didn't use them. And the pass protection is something I am not keen on with him. Um, so I think he has the skills and the body kind of build to be able to kind of handle all these things. And that's where I kind of look at Spiller as he has the physical look to him it's kind of like the quarterbacks are six four you know 230 had the arm but is it really translates to the field and i have not seen the production to kind of match with the, the physicality and the athlete you're supposed to get there and i think that the 40 that he ran as as a pro day kind of shows you that he's not as explosive as people kind of think he is and that he had a very poor kind of showing now i had just different reasons possibly why his poor performance was at the um combine but I don't think he really did anything at his own pro day to kind of make up for that in any kind of capacity. Making you think he's a top tier athlete. They got like kind of he's not a wow you athlete, but he was still 25th playing in the SEC in 15 plus yard carries. Maybe he's not the home run threat, but he was consistently breaking off big chunks. 23rd in broken tackles. Again, good balance, good sturdy build. He was able to bust off a lot of different broken tackles and avoid tackles and things of that nature. Again, He's not the guy who's going to wow you. I'm not trying to make that argument, but he is a starter. He is a starter. I I comped him to James Conner. I think he has a lot of similar skill sets to a James Conner. James Conner has now gotten two opportunities to be the main starter of a team. And you know what? If he he does have that skill set, I think he's on that level of a skill set where if he finds himself in in the right situation, like Conner did at the right time, He's good enough where the team may not press to bring in somebody else because he can play all three downs. I disagree with you on the pass blocking. I've seen plenty. I've seen enough tape of him on pass blocking. I think he's one of the better pass blockers on this draft class coming in. I uh, and you you have a, a season like a Connor did where it's a fluky season, but he grinds out sixteen touchdowns. He gets a three year contract, expected to be the starter. That's something in Isaiah Spiller's wheelhouse that I do think is on the table for him, depending upon where he goes. His draft value. Somewhere in that third, fourth round, I think there's a good chance we're going to be talking about him getting selected during our day two draft. 
what I'll go with is if he does get drafted in the third or fourth round, I absolutely would add him to my dynasty and probably my you know redraft. Very good point. Because I think that's going to guarantee he's going to get playing time. Very good point. Yes, the draft capital, especially the running backs. Right? What did we just talk about at the top of the show? The NFL's developed into this league where the running backs aren't as valued. So when you do spend a decent draft pick on a player, with the exception of Trey Sermon of the 49ers, when you do spend a decent amount of draft capital on a running back, chances are they're at least going to get the opportunity to play and to in a significant way. And Isaiah Spiller, right now the consensus on him is that third running back taken off the board, likely in those first three rounds. That will give him some sort of playing time at some point. How early it is will depend upon what team that winds up being. But that is the kind of draft capital we're looking for. Like the rest of these guys here, they're going to have to get in the training camp. They're going to have to prove it. Because when we start talking about the fifth round and on, it gets a little iffy at that point. But if it's definitely the top three rounds, and I would say that fourth round more times than not, that running back's going to get that chance. Chris, is there anybody we didn't talk about real quick that you want to mention? Yeah, I think one of the guys that's going to probably go higher than some of the guys we talked about is Brian Robinson. I'm not a huge Brian Robinson fan now from Alabama, but there seems to be a lot of fans of his of NFL scouts. Um, talk about a guy that doesn't do anything special but does a little bit of everything. Is going to be a guy who can does a coach's dream, so to speak. He's going to get what's blocked. He's going to do do his assignment. Going to be able to pass protect. Um, one of the best protectors probably in this class. So you put all those things together, ran a four or five. And at the combine, I think this guy's going to be probably the third or fourth back off the backfield because there's a lot of talk about him being a guy that people really like. Um, not necessarily somebody that people think is a game changer, or nor do I, but is a person that you're going to kind of keep on your radar because the draft capital is if somebody's drafting him there, then that means they probably plan on using him. Uh, the other guy was uh, Tyler Beatty from Missouri. Uh, talk about a guy for especially PPR purposes, has a lot of Naheem, High Scott, uh, Naheem Hines skill set. A guy's definitely going to be a third down scat back, isn't going to be utilized in early downs probably at all, but is very effective out of the backfield. It's definitely a mismatch. And depending on where he gets kind of drafted, if you go see him go like the fourth, fifth round, he's probably going to be utilized as a guy out of the backfield and kind of that, you know, that satellite role. Yeah, I'll talk to your Brian Robinson point. I comped him to Jordan Howard. I think that's the type of guy he is. I think he, in the next level, first, second down guy, I think he could fit that goal line role. I think he could find himself in a platoon situation as the early down back where he'll be expected to go three, four yards, a Mark Ingram type, a Jordan Howard type. I think he could be something of that guy, but I think he's even less of an explosive athlete. Like that four, five, three he ran, I was shocked because oh, I, yeah. don't, I don't see that on tape. I don't either. And I, I think this, this is all about him coming to going to Alabama from what I'm understanding is because he's just, he's able to do all the things he's supposed to do coming from the pedigree. There are people that there's a lot of scouts out there that are kind of big on him as a result. No, you're totally, you're totally right. You're totally right. I do think he's a guy who might come in that fourth, fifth round. Another guy right now is being talked about in that same fourth, fifth round, but I'm not as keen on is Damian Pierce. Uh, he's the type of guy as well that I don't know. You know, he, he might go that fourth, fifth round. I don't know exactly what he brings to the table. He's kind of same vein as a Brian Robinson. I think he is more of a first, second down type of guy. And even in Florida, he was never really able to take over the role as the main guy they went to. He was always in a split time because he wasn't that special. Well, this is the guy that I think you're going to hear the most overhype of. There's people who have him as a top running back on their boards. 
that there's such there's such a very strong opinion about this Pierce kid. I'm with you. I think he's a good athlete. I think he could be a contributor, but I don't see any more than a guy who's probably going to just hope for an opportunity. Um, you know, if somebody gets hurt or the first two guys get hurt, I don't think he's a good pass catcher at the backfield. I don't think he has a clear role. He's not still the grinder that you're going to use for short yard situations. But I see a guy who has a good skill set that if maybe he got a chance to kind of shine, he could. But I, people seem to love this guy and they're kind of projecting on him because of all the big plays he had in Florida. But I think it's kind of hard to go off of that. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of players get projected like the top of Kenny Bellage before earlier off of limited usage and then think, well, that's kind of what they're going to do if they imagine they get more carries. There's a reason sometimes they don't get more carries. And there's a reason a lot of guys start off great. And then as usage continues, they're not so explosive. This is one of those guys I would definitely say buyer beware. Next week, we're going to be talking about the wide receivers. And unlike the running backs, we're kind of having mix and matching and figuring out what we're going to do. There's a lot of wide receivers to talk about. <laughs> a lot of really good wide receivers. I've been reviewing the film on all these guys, and there's very few guys that I feel like are potholes when you talk about this wide receiver class from top to bottom. And it's just all going to be about, you know, where did these guys wind up at? What teams, what schemes, what coaches and all that jazz. And it's going to be a jam-packed one. It's the wide receivers and both offense and defense alignment when it comes to this draft class are so deep. There's going to be a lot of value in these guys from the top to the bottom of the draft. Maybe not in too many other positions outside of that. But yeah, when we talk about wide receivers next week, oh man. Things in fantasy football are going to get very, very interesting when these guys are coming off the board as far as what target shares are going to be, right, Chris? Yeah, the receiver in position, especially with some of the opportunities that are out there, like a Green Bay, for example, just throw some teams out there. I think that when you look at this receiver class, I'm super excited. My biggest struggle for myself is who's the top running receiver I have on my board. Um, but you talk about the kind of the depth. I think there's a lot of depth in this class, but there's also a huge chasm. After you get past those top like six guys, it's like – a bunch of good guys, but they're not till fourth, fifth round, sixth round. A lot of guys are just going to probably have a team. Guys. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I think that's going to be really interesting to kind of find those guys. And I think it's great to watch our show to kind of help you navigate those guys. We kind of helped you navigate last year through Terrence Marshall. We talked about, you know, people getting hype and kind of what to look through. We warned you, Terrence Marshall, get a lot of hype. Don't necessarily buy it. And, you know, a year later, we were necessarily wrong. So hopefully next week we can kind of help you again. We'll keep that going. I'm very excited to talk about that one. Guys, make sure you check us out on Bellyup TV and on the Roku Bellyup Sports channel. Subscribe to us on YouTube and check out our podcast. But also, Bellyup has become the home of the NLFA. We're premiering their games on Monday nights on doubleheaders. Monday night mayhem. The guys have been doing a great job with that. I want to give them a shout-out. We'll have another doubleheader again next Monday night. Some spring football action for you guys to enjoy while we wait for the real thing to come in the NFL and the NFL draft coming up. So make sure you tune it in. The broadcast from Billy Up is, is the best part about it, I'll say, because, oh, look, I, the football guys are great. It's always fun to watch football. But this, this crew – it really entertaining to watch. So I, I implore everybody, turn on bellyup.tv, turn on your Roku channels, the Bellyup Sports, and you're going to get a nice good time on a Monday night. Who could ask for anything more than that? I'm your host, Damian. I'm joining here with Chris Dahauer. We'll see you guys again next week on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. <laughs>
redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.